The Anxiety Slayer podcast is brought to you by EFT for Anxiety Relief. One of the biggest challenges in living with anxiety is that it can be so confusing and overwhelming that we often don't know where to start to try and get support. Our EFT for Anxiety Relief course is a great place to begin. Within 15 minutes, you can start using EFT tapping to clear anxious thoughts and find hope and clarity to move forward with conquering your anxiety. Get our most popular EFT tapping course for 50% of the regular price through July 28th. All you need to do is visit anxietyslayer.com, click on the link on our homepage, and use tapping 50 when you check out. Welcome back to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my good friend and co-host Ananga Sivier. We come together weekly from Kent and Leelanau to share Anxiety Slayer sessions with you and answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page. Together, we share a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. And this week, our listener question is about healing traumatic thoughts of anxiety experienced in the past. Hi, Ananga. Hi, Shen. Welcome back to another week of Anxiety Slayer. I'm going to go ahead and read the question for this week, and then we'll dive right in. Hi, Shannon Ananga. I save your podcasts and put them in my anxiety toolbox. Thank you for everything you do. I would really appreciate if you had some time to help. This is one thing I struggle with and something that I'm not sure has been discussed in your podcast before. I consider myself recovered from my anxiety, but I still get recurring thoughts reminding me of my traumatic past, the days of anxiety when I was truly ill. Usually it's things reminding me of that or bringing association, and it brings the feelings back from that time and space. Even though I've come so far since then, it's hard to break away from them and change perspective because they make me feel awful and like I'm in that place again. In some way, it always reminds me of anxiety, which is something I don't want to be reminded of. Some days I can challenge it and get back in the present moment and not be affected, but other days I feel bombarded. I know it's easier to accept it, but it's hard when it feels so bad. How can I accept these thoughts, change my perspective, and in turn accept my anxiety so that it's not so bothersome anymore? Thank you, and I really appreciate what you do together. I think this is an excellent topic for us to discuss today because certainly this is a part of healing from anxiety. Yeah, it's an excellent question. It shows a lot of insight and we haven't really discussed this from this angle before, this thing where we've recovered from anxiety, but what's been described here really sounds to me like a post-traumatic situation where you're remembering your mind's getting triggered to go back to how awful it felt and how anxious you once were. And when the mind does that, it tends to very accurately retrieve all the sensations and all the fears and anxiety that went with it and yank it forward into your present moment. The answer is in the question, it is acceptance. How can I accept these thoughts and change my perspective so that it's not so bothersome anymore? And I think this really begins with understanding the the importance of acceptance. But yes, the change of perspective is key. And for me, one thing that really helps with this is to look for difference between then and now. What the mind does is it has this negative bias where it looks for what's the same. Do you remember when you felt like this? Do you remember how bad it was? 
and it like pulls it forward. And what we need to do is use our intelligence to say, yeah, I remember, but here's what's different now. This is different. It's not the same as before. So one way to do that is to bring ourselves very firmly into this present moment, to look at the progress we've made, to look at how we feel differently now, and to accept that these thoughts and feelings, they can get pulled up and they can get triggered. And if you can, to practice sitting with them. This is something I've had to revisit in my life after trauma that uh, I've experienced over the last couple of years. And you can get this wave of physical anxiety come up in the body and I will have to stop and just put my hands on my chest and say, okay, what's happening? What's coming up for me? Take a deep breath. This feeling's here. Where's it coming from? I accept it. I accept that I know the reason for it. And what do I need to do now to take care of myself, but not to rush through that? The acceptance is is key, as is mentioned in this question, to just be able to sit with what's coming up and not go into flight or fight in response to it or freeze, which we often do, to just put your hand on the area of the body where you feel it or put your hand over your heart. It's like, okay, this is coming up and we need to give it a moment. We need to give it a moment and be with it. We need to understand that it comes from something that's been very traumatic and then understand that in this moment, I'm okay. And now I'm going to move on doing something to help me settle with it. Not avoidance, not hating it, not aversion, acceptance. And that can be some applying essential oils, some gentle breathing, making a cup of a calming tea, but to be very soft with it. And though we may not like how it feels, what's happening is natural. It's a post-traumatic response that's coming up in our body and that needs dealing with with compassion. Yeah. Anytime we're answering listener questions or in thinking about our own experiences here, I believe that at the top of the list is kindness and compassion to be kind to yourself and to be mindful of your self-care and to immediately immerse yourself in this understanding that you do know what to do. You've been well for a really long time. And so it's going to be okay. Come back to that present moment, accept what's going on, and then do what you know you need to do. And one of the things is to remember that anxiety is seldom out of the blue. Have a think about possible triggers, whether it be illness or stress or nutrition, sleep, maybe some sort of uh, communication gone awry with somebody that you love. Triggering is a big part of of high anxiety for sure. Yeah, maybe travel, change of routine. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get flare-ups and, and flashbacks when we're not quite so on our self-care. It's always good to review that. How am I doing? How am I caring for myself? Very rarely in the West do we look at mental well-being. When we talk about mental health, we usually do it in the context of mental illness, mental health challenges. And really in Ayurveda, India's ancient science of life and the wisdom traditions of the East, mental well-being isn't talked about like this. Our mental health is very much accepted as something that ebbs and flows. It goes up, it goes down, and it deserves respect and nourishment. I personally don't like the word disorder unless it's 
in the context that something you've been suffering with for a long time is being taken seriously and respected and you're going to receive good care. If calling it a disorder gives it serious attention and good care is received, then fair enough. But disorder, the post-traumatic stress isn't a disorder. Post-traumatic stress is a natural response to something that we've experienced in the past that's really jarred our nervous system and, and disturbed our mind. When the mind suffers with trauma, when our nervous system is shaken by trauma, there's going to be some aftershocks. If you think about earthquakes, and there's a big earthquake, very often there are aftershocks following that event. It's many, many aftershocks. And for some time, right? We just had that here in the States, in California. There were hundreds of them. Yeah. So it's, it's helpful to look at this with our mind. That when there's a big energy event, like an earthquake in our mind and our nervous system, which is what anxiety feels like, high anxiety and anxiety attacks, it's an internal disaster scenario. It's very high energy, very present, very physical, very, very frightening. So there's going to be some aftershocks. And if we can just understand that, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're relapsing. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go back to where we were. It's just the impact this has had on our mind and our nervous system. So always go to care. Always go to compassion. Always. And I think, too, that it's very human to get to a place where you're feeling very balanced, very steady. You have more days feeling good than you do feeling jangly. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, here comes this, right, Mm -hmm. out of the blue experience, which really isn't out of the blue. It's it's being human and maybe scaling back on a number of the things that you were doing to care for yourself because you're doing well. We do that. We stop taking specific herbs or we maybe reduce our amount of magnesium or maybe we switch away from a, a calming tea to a different drink and the list goes on. I don't need to to share them all, but that's part of it too. And I love that because earlier in the episode, Ananga, you were talking about what is working and what was working before you started to go back to this place, before you were triggered back to this other memory and to get back to it, to get back to that protocol. You know what it is. You know what works. Yeah. We can say it's exhausting looking after the mind. It's pretty ongoing maintenance, but it's just the same as, you know, we don't have to brush our teeth but we're not going to be very socially appreciated to know. <laughs> and our health of our mouth and our teeth is going to go down fast. So you have nights where you just want to get into bed and you don't want to do all the maintenance stuff, but we have to do it and we feel better yeah. for it. And it's the same with the mind. The, the whole mind and body package, it's high maintenance, but we feel better for the care. And if we can look at it as care rather than maintenance, a steady mind, a looked-after mind is so much more full of joy and peace and stability and aspiration and meaning. We lose meaning when our mind is overshadowed by anxiety. So looking at it in a context of nurturing, as we were talking about last week in last week's episode, looking at your mind like a garden and tilling the soil to plant the good herbs and fruits and seeds and taking out the weeds, really it's a lifelong practice. And either we're going to resent it and fall short with it, or we're going to embrace it and take steps forward. There isn't really a middle ground with anxiety. Now, a few years ago, my daughter and I decided to uh, make a garden with a patch of land that was 
a little way away from our house. And the land was pretty wild. It had really high brambles and nettles. And we cut all the brambles back. I mean, they were over my head, huge. And my nephews helped. And we made it a really great family project. And we cleared it back. It was incredible, the before and after photos. And we grew some vegetables and some flowers. And then I got sick. I wasn't able to tend to it for a while. And within a year, it was wild again. It completely Mm -hmm. reverted. And I felt like that land had wildness in it that was just ready to come back. And that's our mind. That's just how it is. And if we're lost in the objecting to it, and if we're lost in being exhausted by it and resenting it, then we're not going to have a particularly happy, engaged existence. It needs ongoing maintenance. It doesn't have to be huge and hard, but it needs just something, just checking in, checking in with them. How am I doing? Am I doing some guided breathing? Am I doing some walking? And as you said, Chan, when things start to feel better, we're all too ready to put down what we've been doing or, or we just get distracted and we, we're not being prodded by our mind in so much suffering. So we go off and we look at other things. You know, you often joke about that shiny lure nature of the mind where it just goes off after whatever. But we need to bring it back to self-care, same way as we do with the body. How am I looking after my mind? How am I looking after myself today? And then in this question, this listener's asking, how can I accept these thoughts and, and change my perspective and turn to accept my anxiety so it's not as bothersome anymore? And I think for me, this is the key, is to accept that these things can come up, things that we've suffered with in the past, they are going to come back into our mind, but it's not that they come back that's the problem. It's what do we do with them when they come back? How can we make peace with that? And how can we not engage with the mind that might be telling us, what if I'm getting sick again? And we can say, no, no, this is just a very uncomfortable flashback and memory, and I'm going to just be with it, look at it calmly, and then move into some self-care. And this is where calming and grounding practices are incredibly helpful. I had uh, some anxiety flaring up the other morning. I can't now I can't even tell you what what was going on or what triggered it, but it was real. And I immediately went outside and barefoot on the ground in my garden, just looking at the flowers, looking, talking to the little chipmunks that were running around. Uh, listening to the birds, reminding myself that everything's good. It's all good. I just had had a moment where I started to just feel a, a little over the top. Yeah. And it worked so beautifully. And I came in and was so grateful for the experience to just be able to do that and then made myself some natural calm and sipped on that and felt so much better. I felt so much better because I knew what I needed to do. And I accepted that, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I know I need to do. And I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. And for me, this really keys into this two arrows teaching in Buddhist psychology, where we have the first arrow that strikes us and causes pain, which is the anxiety itself. But in the West, we always have this second arrow, which is like, why am I feeling like this? I thought I was over this. I shouldn't feel like this. Right. What's wrong with me? This is really bad timing. I could do without this today. I didn't think I'd ever feel like this again. That's what causes us the pain. 
Right. The first arrow, oh, there's some anxiety in my body. There's some anxiety in my mind. To observe it detachedly, what do I need to do with it? Mm-hmm. Not to rip it out, <laughs> but right. to, to consider it calmly and with compassion. Oh, this is arising for me. Because as much as the social media would have us believe otherwise, anxiety is part of life. Yeah. To a greater or lesser degree. Anxiety attacks and high anxiety, no, those need real help and strategies to bring those down. And that can be done. That can be recovered from very, very nicely. But we're going to have moments of anxiety. We're going to have moments of fear. And we're going to have moments of uncertainty. The more we hate them, the more we object to them, the more we just simply don't want them, the more suffering they're going to cause us. Again, it's like cutting your finger and getting angry about it. Yeah. Instead of washing it and getting a Band-Aid, it's done. Right. It's happened. The finger's cut. The anxiety's come up in the body. Okay. It's information. What are we going to do with it? That's the key. It's not that it happens. Sometimes it's going to happen to all of us. Yeah, without question. And this whole social media thing of, you know, you deserve to be permanently, deliriously happy. <laughs> it's, it's propaganda. And it, yeah. it's stopping us connecting with our, with our life and with the deep rawness of life. Yeah. Different flavors of life. It's, you know, these things can coexist. They're not that we have to be 100% happy or we're not right, we're not functional. Yeah. There's lessons in sorrow, there's lessons in anxiety, and it's, it's, ultimately it's about being okay with ourselves. But certainly, yes, there are things you can do to, to stop the feelings being dragged up with past trauma and past memories of anxiety. Getting some skills, getting some tools to help with that is also a very good idea. And I think this is where... EFT tapping really comes through as something that very much helps. Yeah, it sure does. Let, let's talk about how EFT tapping can help when this kind of post-traumatic stress pops up. The beautiful thing about tapping is it honors our truth. We can say, I'm sick of myself. I'm tired of myself. I'm sick of this keep happening to me. I just want it to be in the past. We can tap for the truth of how we feel about it and put that to rest. We can tap for greater self-compassion and understanding. But one thing that's really a beautiful approach with EFT tapping that's my favorite in these kind of scenarios is we have a story of our anxious past that might be haunting us and it might be kind of like a, a monster in a bin where the lid comes off and it comes flying out at us. EFT tapping can put that to rest. It can calm the story of our anxious past and it can help diffuse the triggers. So when you apply EFT tapping to this kind of scenario, what happens is the emotional intensity gets taken from the memories. The memory stays. We remember what happened. But when we remember how we felt and how challenging it was, it doesn't fire off in our body and it doesn't trigger anxiety in our mind. We remember it in a more matter-of-fact way and it stays where it belongs in the past. It doesn't drag anxiety into our present moment. And you just remember yeah, that was a rough time for me. It was something that happened, but it doesn't all fire off in your body and mind. So you have the memory, but not right. the emotional intensity. And that's a blessing. Anytime we can calm memories of trauma is a blessing. And I'll tell you, Inaga, I feel like it's been such a gift to not only be your friend and partner in the work we do with Anxiety Slayer, but you've also been my EFT coach. 
and walked me through some pretty tough scenarios over the years. And I'm incredibly grateful to have been led through them by you. Certainly, I can do my own tapping, and I do. But there are times when it just feels so nice to be able to trust that I can work with you and share the story and clear whatever is coming up. And ah, that relief that you feel when you finally let it go and you understand how much tapping helps you do that. So I want to take this moment to say thank you. Well, that's very kind of you. That's an, that's an honor. I very much enjoy when we do that kind of work together. I think tapping's a beautiful thing to learn and be able to share with people you love and care about. Very often we feel so much pain when we see somebody else suffering. We can feel helpless or disempowered. And learning these kinds of skills, it gives you something to offer that may be helpful to somebody you care about. So it's a, something I'm really happy. I've you know, deeply immersed myself in the studying of tapping and different applications. And it really is a remarkable healing method. I recommend anybody learns it. It's not hard to learn. It's something that requires some some application to learn really well and be able to apply it skillfully in different areas. But even a five-year-old child can learn to tap. It's a great skill to learn. It's just a question of not letting your mind tell you nothing works because it really is remarkably helpful. And this diffusing of, of traumatic stories and taking the emotional intensity out of the past is really one of the most beautiful applications of, of tapping and when you see that relief come over somebody where you can just put something down and it it puts things to rest so remarkably and at the same time tapping brings up more resourcefulness in us because that resistance and and trying to hold the past in the past it takes a lot of mental energy we get really fatigued with it it's like we're pushing something back all the time and when we right. stop doing that we get freed up and very often tapping unlocks some resourcefulness in us and some creativity can come back to the fore which is a wonderful thing to witness and this is the perfect time if you're listening and this is the perfect time to learn more about EFT tapping because today's episode is brought to you by EFT for anxiety relief and Ananga and I are doing our very first flash sale on our course offering it for 50% of the regular price So you can learn to use EFT quickly and easily. You'll get audio recordings, a comprehensive guidebook created to help you start feeling relief from anxiety today, and you'll develop awareness of your emotions and anxiety triggers and work in a self-respecting way to gently and thoroughly address your anxiety, which will help you move towards a calmer and happier life. So act now if you want to learn more to get our most popular EFT course for 50% of the regular price through July 28th. All you need to do is visit anxietyslayer.com and use the code TAPPING50 at checkout. And that's TAPPING50 in all caps. Thanks so much, Ananga. I'm grateful for another week to work with you and share and answer listener questions. And to our listeners, thank you for listening in. Please reach out with your questions. And be sure to check out our offering for EFT for Anxiety Relief. Mm